reason it wasn't in the pulpit is because the printer wasn't working 10 minutes before worship started. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit has taught me over the years not to print on Friday because there will be tinkering on Sunday morning. But when there's tinkering on Sunday morning, you better believe the printer needs to be working on Sunday morning. Okay, time for the scripture reading. Our gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter, verses 28 through 34. Hear now the word of the Lord. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. May God bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? God of Israel, God of all nations, known to humankind in many forms, yet far beyond our knowing. We seek to love you with our hearts and minds and our strength, that our lives might be devoted to serving you through the people and circumstances we encounter day by day. Reign within and among us today and always. And now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. A little more than 10 years ago, a popular theologian wrote a book with the subtitle, Heaven, Hell, and the Fate of Every Person Who Ever Lived. It is a compelling and accessible book outlining the author's belief that ultimately God is far too gracious, far too merciful, to consign anyone to an eternity of hellfire and damnation. The book was aptly titled, Love Wins. This is a phrase that took off in a big way in our culture, around the time that the Supreme Court recognized the legal legitimacy of same-sex marriages. Now, I don't dislike or disagree with the phrase, love wins. It makes for a great hashtag, great bumper sticker. It's just that love does a lot more 
than win. Love listens. Love hopes. Love challenges. Love sacrifices. Love casts out fear. I heard a story on the news this week about a high school in Shreveport, Louisiana that had been plagued by fighting. In a two-week period in September, 23 students were not only suspended but arrested for violence at school. In response, a group of fathers partnered with the school to create Dads on Duty. They volunteer in shifts every day to simply be a paternal presence on the school campus. They greet the students with friendly words. They tell a lot of dad jokes. And while they are not trained or authorized to discipline wayward students, they do give looks when necessary. And you know how effective a dad look can be. In the weeks since these men appeared on campus, there has been a precipitous drop in misbehavior. Indeed, not a single fight broke out the whole month of October. The cycle of conflict and violence has been broken. Hope has been restored. This is what love looks like. Yes, love wins, but love listens. Love hopes, love sacrifices, love shows up, love casts out fear. I have been thinking about love and the commandment to love in light of our congregation's newly formed inclusion team. You may have read about it or seen Rich's video introduction in last week's email. The seeds for the initiative were planted when church members approached our clergy and lay leadership over the summer. Although our church has always been a welcoming place, this team feels it is time to broaden and deepen our understanding and our commitment to all people, including the LGBTQ community. The team wants to start conversations about being proactively inclusive and sponsor learning opportunities for all of us to deepen our understanding of diverse experiences and identities. This team hopes to establish a covenant of inclusivity and belonging at First Congo. They, or I should say we, as each of the pastors are serving with this team as clergy liaisons, wants to hear from different voices to ensure that the covenant we create is grounded in faith and that it reflects our congregation's commitment to compassion, respect, and unity in Christ. This covenant could be submitted to our denomination so that our church might be added to the registry of intentionally open and affirming congregations. The open and affirming designation has profound significance in the United Church of Christ and would be a signal 
that our congregation is a safe and loving community open to all of our neighbors, regardless of race, class, ability, gender identity, or sexual orientation. The prayer, preparation, discernment, and care that has already gone into this process is remarkable. The team members are thoughtful and faithful people who see this work as a way of living out the commandment to love God and love people. Together, they want us all to do the hard work of love. Love, in this case, might mean listening with an open mind to perspectives that make us uncomfortable. Love might mean having the courage to trust that we, as a congregation, can talk about hard things with soft hearts and kind words. Love might mean being stubborn enough to remain in relationship with neighbors who believe differently than we do. Despite the extraordinary cultural pressure to cut off ties with anyone who doesn't meet our ideological criteria. I was remembering this week that the last time I preached explicitly about love as it relates to the LGBTQ community was in 2014. It was shortly after same-sex marriage became legal in Illinois. In that sermon, I quoted Jen Hatmaker, a sister in Christ with whom I fundamentally disagreed about matters of gender and sexuality. I believed her words resonated regardless of one's convictions. She wrote, of the greatest commandment, our primary responsibility to love God and love neighbors. And she reflected on the story that Jesus tells when he teaches this commandment in the Gospel of Luke, a devastating story about a man beaten, stripped, robbed, and left for dead at the side of the road. She wrote this. As I lay in bed, it was instantly and perfectly clear that the gay community has been spiritually beaten, stripped of dignity, robbed of humanity, and left for dead by much of the church. You need only look at the suicide rates, prevalence of self-harm, and the devastating pleas from ostracized gay people and those who love them to see what has plainly transpired. Laying next to them, she goes on, bloodied and bruised are believers whose theology affirms homosexuality and allows them to stand alongside their gay friends. The spiritual gutting of these brothers and sisters is nothing short of shameful. The mockery and dismissal and vitriol leveled at these folks is disgraceful. And then she concludes, also wounded, on the side of the road are Christians who sincerely love God and people and believe that homosexuality is a sin. 
but they've been lumped in with the big, loud, mean voices unfairly. Painted as hateful intolerance, they are actually kind and loving and are simply trying to be faithful. The paintbrush is too wide, the indictments unfounded. Now, at the time she wrote these words in 2014, the time I quoted these words, Hatmaker countered herself among those Christians who do not affirm the goodness of same-sex relationships or believe in the validity of trans transgender identities. This is no longer the case. Through prayer, study, conversation, and the coming out of her beloved daughter as gay, Jen Hatmaker's mind and heart changed. She had been a darling of the evangelical church, but when she spoke openly of her conversion, she found herself the target of much mockery, dismissal, and vitriol. And yet, it was a sacrifice she was willing to make for love. Sisters and brothers, siblings in Christ, we cannot and will not let anything but love for God and neighbor guide us. We will not leave anyone to suffer at the side of the road. That cycle must be broken. The Lord is one, and we shall be two, one in Christ Jesus. So let us love one another and out of that great love, let us hope, let us listen and challenge and sacrifice and let go of our fears. Let us pray that love wins in a way that leaves no losers. May it be so. Amen.